We come this morning in our series on John's Gospel to chapter 1, verses 19 to 34. I know it's printed for you in your bulletins, uh, and I know some people use the digitized Bible now, but please do open your Bible. We will be in the text today. Not that we aren't in the other days. Hear now the word of the Lord, brothers and sisters, from John's Gospel, starting in verse 19 to verse 34. And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he, John, saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we come this morning to your word. We come this morning learning, desiring to grow, seeking, O oh God, to be transformed, that when we depart from here, we indeed would be like Jesus. Bless your word, we pray. It never returns to you void. We pray, God, you'd break hardened hearts. We pray, O oh God, you'd let us see you high and exalted. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, there are four questions that I want to look at as we go through this passage in John. Who is John the Baptist? What is his identity? 
what is John's ministry? The second question. The third question, what is John's message? And the fourth question, why does the ministry of John the Baptist matter to you at Presbyterian Church of the Atonement here in Silver Spring, Maryland? Well, who is John the Baptist? What is John's identity? We get a lot of detail about John the Baptist when we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's the cousin of Jesus. His father was a priest. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, even from the womb of his mother, Elizabeth. And we learn that John has a special connection to Jesus. Even before John is born, he's vitally connected to Jesus. Well, I want us to pay close attention to what John the Apostle wants us to understand, to realize, to observe about John the Baptist. He says in verse 6, John was sent from God. There was a man sent from God. Keep that in your mind as we go along. He didn't just happen to come on the scene. He was divinely appointed by the Creator. John came as a witness, as you see in verse 7. John baptizes at the Jordan, as you see in verse 28. And next, we see that John talks about the Messiah. John talks about the Christ. And, and let me do say this, as you see the word Christ here in the Greek, <clears throat> in the Jewish mind, it's the Messiah. Messiah, Christ, I might use them interchangeably. Well, in our passage, we see that John has some visitors. John's got some visitors. They, they come out to see just exactly what it is that he is doing. They come to inquire as to who he is. The Jews, our text says, sent out priests and Levites, and specifically later on we learn that that's the Pharisees who sends them out. Priests and Levites from Jerusalem. They come out to ask John, who are you? Who are you? And where I come from, we may say, who in the world are you? Well, their interest, it lies in John's identity. It lies in John's identity. And here I want to ask this question. Well, who were the priests? Who were the Levites? Who were the priests and the Levites in the history of Israel? We must first understand that biblically God ordained that the priests of Israel come from the tribe of Levi. They come from the tribe of Levi. Moses and Aaron were both Levites. And we learn, as you read in the Old Testament, Aaron was the chief priest. And all chief priests for Israel only come from the line of Aaron. No other line. They only come from the line of Aaron. Therefore, that means not all Levites were priests, but only those of the Aaronic lineage. But we do learn that the Levites are busy in the temple. Some participated with the worship and music. As you think, or rather as you hear the word Levites, I imagine the book of Leviticus probably comes to mind, and it should. Part of the purpose of the book of Leviticus is to explain the purpose of the priests of Israel. God gave the priests the responsibility of offering sacrifices for 
the people. The priests stood before God on behalf of the people in the tabernacle and in the temple, and they did it day after day after day, offering sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice for sin. The chief concern of the priests was holiness, cleanliness, purity, guilt, sacrifice, and atonement. Now, they had to keep offering these sacrifices because they were imperfect sacrifices. But they were pointing to Jesus who was yet to come. Well, here we see in the time of John the Baptist that the priests and the Levites, they come out to see John from Jerusalem. And, 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 and here I, I love to point out what may be the obvious, but sometimes we skirt over it. What's so important that the apostle would tell us they come from Jerusalem? What is in Jerusalem? The temple. The temple is in Jerusalem. The Levites and the priests are sent out because John has a different ministry. Everybody is going out to see John. I put myself in the position of the priests and the Levites. What in the world is he doing out there? We didn't authorize for him to, to be out there baptizing and preaching. We've got to go out there and figure out what in the world is going on. These people had a major problem with the ministry of John the Baptist. These are the religious elite. They are very important people. Well, what is John's reply to their first question, who are you? John says, I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. As you read this in the Greek text, his reply to them is very, very emphatic. Very emphatic. He wants them to understand. It, it, it would be like this. He goes above and beyond just saying, I'm not the Christ. He says, you've got to understand it's not me. It is not me. Well, in verse 19, we see the apostle writes, this is the testimony of John. And keep that word testimony in your mind because it means witness. This is the witness of John. In verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but he confessed. He confessed he did not deny, he confessed. That's emphasis if you don't know. I am not the Messiah. I'm not the Christ. Well, the priests and the Levites, they asked John three more identities. Well, 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 are you Elijah? Are you Elijah as Malachi prophesied? Are you the Elijah that was to come? And John says, no. And here I think it's interesting. And in, in, in later, in later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus likens John to Elijah. We also learn that John dressed like Elijah. But John the Baptist says, no, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet spoken of by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18? No. Well, John's ministry is different. As I said earlier, it's different from what they do at the temple. They did not authorize John's activity. Therefore, they're very concerned about John's ministry, which leads to the second major question. Well, what is John's ministry? John came 
preaching and baptizing. That's what we see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John came preaching and baptizing. As I said earlier, everybody from around Jerusalem and Judea, they, they go out to John at the Jordan River. They confess their sins and he baptizes them. John's gospel, John the Apostle's gospel, though, emphasizes something in particular about John. And the more I, 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 I meditated on this, the more it became so very, very clear to me. John wants us to really, John's gospel, John the Apostle really wants us to get this. <clears throat> the main aspect of John's ministry that the Apostle John wants us to know is that John is a witness. John is a witness. The word for witness occurs seven times from John chapter 1, verses 6 to 34. Seven times. That's emphasis, you all. The word occurs, it, it's, it's, it's written differently, but it's the same root, witness, witness. What is a witness? What is a witness? He wants us to know that John was a witness. Well, what is a witness? When I was a little boy, I think I was in kindergarten, I was the only one in school, I do remember that, in, of my three, three of us. And it was summertime, and typically in the summertime, my mother would have us go outside and play. She didn't let us watch TV. She said, you can read a book, you can go outside and play. And she would feed us as well. Um, but this particular day, it was right before it was time for us to go out and play. And my mother is a, a very neat person, and so she had made the bed. And we lived in this, this big house, so in the room, my sister and I were in the same room, and my brother was a little baby, so he was, he was in there in the crib. But anyway, mother had made my sister's bed. Now, this was an incredible bed, you all. You know, you love to jump on trampolines as kids, right? Well, we didn't have a trampoline, but we had that bed. And mother made the bed, and sometimes she would let us jump on it. But she said, this day, don't jump on the bed. I made up the bed, do not jump on the bed. Now the mother that I have you all, I must tell you, yes, she was here, she did not play when I was a kid. What she said was the law. As soon as mother went out of the room, my sister, although she has always had a hard head, as soon as mother left the room, my sister was jumping towards the sky. <laughs> I will never forget this, and I was standing there like awestruck. <laughs> well, about 45 minutes later, Mother re-entered the room. Who's been jumping on the bed? My sister said, not me. Not me, my sister said. <laughs> now, I was there. I saw her jump up and down on the bed, and I said, it was her. No, it wasn't me. She said, it wasn't me. And mother looked at me because she, she knew I would tell the truth. I'd always break. Did she do it? I said, she did it. <laughs> well, my sister learned not to lie that day. Uh, I'll just put it that way. And no more jumping on the bed for her. But I was a witness. I was there. I saw what happened. And I reported it to the person that it mattered to. Well, I want to know, can we tell what a witness is by looking here at John the Apostle's writing about John the Baptist. Can we tell what a witness is from looking at John the Baptist's life? Well, what do we see? What do you see there? And I do I, I keep looking down at, at that passage. As I said, it's in, your, it's in the bulletin there. 
What is John doing? What is John doing? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. He doesn't stop talking about Jesus. He points to Jesus with his words. He says very unique things about Jesus. He explains who the Messiah truly is. He talks about Jesus to the people of Jerusalem and Judea. And keep in mind here, he truly tells them who the Messiah truly is. John's witness is a message. John's witness is a message. Leading to the third question, well, what is John's message? He says, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. And I'm going to read these out because I want you to see this. Look at verse 20. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Then you look down in verse 31, and he says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, for this reason, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. John's message is that Jesus is the light of all, and he is the light of all true life. You see that up in verse 8. He was not the light, John was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. He's consumed with who Jesus is. Well, thirdly, about John's message, John says that Jesus is the salvation, the deliverance, the rescue for mankind. Look at verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb. The Lamb. John the Apostle has already told us that the priests and the Levites are going out to see him. And I imagine they heard him say, there is the lamb, the lamb, the Messiah, the one who was to come. In verses 32 and 33, we read, and John bore witness. I saw the Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, go all the way back. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The one who sent me said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the eternal son of God, John says in his message. Jesus is God. In verse 15, he says, John bore witness about Jesus and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me, in a timeline, ranks before me because he was before me. And this is where I love the scripture is an incredible tapestry woven together. What in the world is he talking about? You go all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning was 
the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Go down to verse 14, and the Word became one of us. He was before me. He's eternal. In verse 30, John says, This is he whom I said after me comes the man who ranks before me because he was before me. And then you go down to verse 34 and he just tells you plainly, And I have seen and I've borne witness that this man is the Son of God. You know, those people thought he was crazy. God has become one of us. What in the world, the fourth question, why does the ministry of John the Baptist matter to you at the Presbyterian Church of the Atonement? And there's several things I want to see here. And as last night, it's fun, last night I was driving and more things started popping in my head. And I was like, I can't put all that down there. But it's amazing when you begin to think about the implications of God's word for you and for me. God's people. Well, I want you to know that John the Baptist's message about Jesus is your message about Jesus this very day. The same thing John preached and shared with others is the same message we embrace this very morning. Jesus is the Son of God who became man to pay the ultimate price to satisfy the wrath of God, which rages against men, women, boys, and girls who live in rebellion to God's design for all human life. All human life. Sin is rebellion. Technically, the word sin means missing the mark, missing the, the, the bullseye. In, in just rewording the definition a bit, I, I, thought it be, I thought it good to say it this way. Sin is missing the mark of perfection, and not one of us is perfect. I think it's very interesting that we forget God demands perfection. Do you know that? He demands perfection. He demands that there be no impure thoughts. He demands that there be no selfishness, no pride, no me first, my needs first. He demands he be first. In our Sunday school class downstairs this morning, I'm going to talk a little about why, rather how it is that humanity continues to breathe. It's by the command of God. God designs what reality is. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And what did he do? He obeyed God. <laughs> he talked about the Savior who was to come after him. He keeps pointing to him. He'll say later on in John's gospel, he must increase and I must decrease. It's not about me. It's about God. Well, Sin is missing the mark of perfection, and not one of us is perfect. There are people all around you, though, isn't there, who think that they're all right, think that life is fine. 
I don't need God. I don't need anything. And yet, they're going to age. Hair's going to turn gray, going to turn white. Skin's going to wrinkle. And they'll die. Some think that's all that there is to life. We were made to live forever. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God who died in your place. He died in your place and in my place to satisfy the wrath of God so that our sins might be what the very name of this church is, atoned for, that we can stand before God Almighty and not be obliterated by the holiness of God. We can have relationship, holy relationship, holy fellowship, right fellowship, right relationship with God Almighty now because of Jesus. John's, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, said of his son in his prophecy in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 to 79, and I want you to hear this. He says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, as Isaiah had said, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Hallelujah. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. There would be no church of atonement if not for the message of John the Baptist. There would be no churches if not for the message, the work, the life of John the Baptist. He's pointing to Jesus and he says, there is our deliverance. There is our Peace. When I was growing up, you all, I heard lots of fire and brimstone preaching, but I, and, and it made an incredible impression upon me in this regard. I learned that God was holy, and I learned that I was not. And I learned that my life literally is a vapor. In a moment, it can be gone. I've been down into the city of D.C. I used to have a Bible study with, at a lawyer's firm. And, you know, I, I often I watch people. And I, I see a lot of, you know, people, are, they're doing their thing. And they have no clue in a moment, in a moment their breath of life could be gone. And they would be before God Almighty. And if Jesus is not their Savior, they will live eternally in the darkness of hell. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are a witness of Jesus the Christ. You're a witness of Jesus in your family and to the world around you. A witness knows the truth. A witness tells the truth. A witness of Jesus knows Jesus. They don't pay lip service to Jesus. They know Jesus. 
And as the rest of the scriptures teach us, the reality of their knowing Jesus overflows out of them. People know they belong to Jesus. A witness of Jesus talks about Jesus. My grandmothers used to talk about Jesus all the time. Sometimes I would think, are you ever going to talk about anything else? But I'm glad she didn't. She kept the reality of Jesus in front of me. You are a witness with a message about Jesus Christ to treasure in your hearts. We are witnesses with a message about Jesus to treasure with each other. You know, it's the very reason we're here this, in this building this morning in Silver Spring, Maryland, on Georgia Avenue, no less. We have the message of John the Baptist about Jesus. He is our salvation. He's our rescue. You are witnesses with a message to share with others. And here, just going to ask a few questions. Do you know anyone who is not perfect? Yes. Do you know anyone who does not know what life is really about? Do you know anyone who thinks that their life is pretty good and they don't really need or see a purpose for God? Keep in mind they're in rebellion. They are in rebellion and they need John's message about Jesus. This table that we come to every week, it continues to proclaim the message of John the Baptist. John's message, you all, is my hope. Every day the Lord lets me open my eyes. That Jesus is my life. Life is all about Jesus. I have life because of Jesus. There is no true life apart from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, my Lord and my Savior. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord May the Spirit of God use you this week to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Our Father, what good news it is to, so, to, to, to know that the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Father, we pray that you would use us here at Church of the Atonement, those of us who know Christ. We pray that you would use us to be unashamed, to live out the reality of who you are, our Savior. That we would overflow with the reality of Jesus. And in our love for one another, we would demonstrate that Christ is ours and that we are in union with him. Would you use us, Lord? Would you let our community be set apart in such a way that people look at us and say, there's something different about them. We, we, gotta, we gotta figure out what it is that they're connected to. We live in a world of darkness that desperately needs good news. May we this very week not sidestep any opportunities you give us, O oh Lord, to share the message of John the Baptist with unbelievers. Thank you, Father. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.